expect us to do. I'm tired. He just finished giving me my judo lesson. Mm-hmm. I don't think you believe me. Oh, sure I do. Who's winning? I am. He can't speak English. Besides, I make up the rules. Mm-hmm. Am I going to see you tonight? Well, I... You what? I don't know. Something just came into my office. Quiet? I don't know. Here comes another one. One what? Well, beats me. But they're pretty strange. Hey, uh, where'd you leave your saucer, fellas? Maybe there's shills for the beetle. I'll call you back. Bye. Bye. Well, uh, what can I do for it? Hey, wait a minute. Oh, that was a peach. Oh, 
Now pick him up, drag him over to the chair. Sure thing, Yuki. He is suddenly very unconscious. He seems to be. Let's see if he can revive himself. A pleasure. Would you mind holding my nuts, Yuki? I don't want I should break his jaw by accident. Ah, such a nice man. You are so considerate. I would be happy to hold your nuts for yourself, though. Diamond. Diamond! <coughs> he is very out. Well, here, Salvador, try this picture one. Uh, wait, I'll remove the gladiolus. I felt as if I was lying in the middle of a crowded sink and someone had piled all the dishes on my head. They turned on the faucet, and I floated up with a dirty coffee cup and took a look around. I treaded water and squinted through my dewy eyelids at two of the ugliest dishwashers I had ever seen. Look! He's twitching! Mm, oh. Mm. <laughs> you see, Salvador, is just a little lazy. How do you feel, Diamond? Oh. Let us know when things start making sense. Oh, oh not the... What's going on? What happened He's confused, dear. Uh, I think maybe you sapped him too hard. No. Yuki, I take that as an insult. You know how careful I am. I apologize, Salvador. Thank you. Hey, hey uh, how, how'd you monkeys get in here anyway? Well, it sounds like he's collected most of his marbles. Looks like a complete recovery, Yuki. I want to know what this is all about. Oblige the man, Salvador. Sure. But... Keep him with us. Naturally. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh. That's enough, Salvatore. That's enough. Can you hear me, Diamond? Huh? It's going to be obstinate. I don't think he likes it. Belt him across the ears. He'll listen. Can you hear me now, Diamond? He's nodding his head. I guess he don't want to open his mouth and let the blood out. Oh, that's fine. Now, listen, Diamond. In a while, you'll get a call from a Mr. Warden. Oh. He'll offer you a job, but you will not take it. Do you understand? Salvador, please, see if he understands. <coughs> he says, yeah, he understands. But now he's got a sore arm. Uh, remember, Mr. Warden, you don't want to work for him. I think he understands, Yuki. Yeah. Boy, he looks tired from the strain. He certainly does. Look at those dark circles under his eyes. Well, put the man asleep, Salvador. Certainly. Night. <laughs> Mr. Diamond. Mr. Diamond, can you hear me, Mr. Diamond? Oh, 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 this can get monotonous. Go away, will you? Should I call the police, Mr. Diamond? Huh? Oh, oh, I was expecting uglier company. Can you sit up? Oh, I'll take a crack at it. <clears throat> oh, I, uh, I bet your name's Wharton. Well, that's right. How did you know? Get out of here. But I want to talk to you. Well, I just had one long conversation. It was too one-sided. Now, go on. My health is doubtful, but it's fun to have it around for company. Maybe $500 would pick you up. It might for a while, but I 
Don't like to waste that kind of money on funerals. Seven fifty. Yes, so they line the coffin with velvet. A thousand. Well, you're beginning to make a short life sound practical. If you do the job successfully, there'll be another thousand. You just bought yourself a corpse. Let me wash up. Uh, talk some more. I, I can hear you. Well, it's my son, Roger. He thinks he killed a man. He, he thinks? What do you want me to do? Find out for sure so he can brag about it? Ever heard of a John Alter? Oh, sure. Walt Levinson sent him up five years ago on a manslaughter rap. Well, he doesn't like it up there, and he'd like to get out. I don't blame him. What's this got to do with your son? I'm chairman of the parole board. Yeah. You look much better now, Mr. Diamond. So you're chairman of the parole board. Yes. Some of Alter's friends promised to keep quiet about my son if I let Alter go free when he comes up before the board next week. Uh -huh. And you think maybe your son was framed? Yes. About a month ago, he met a girl in Florida. Her name is Lenore Brown, and she's a friend of Alter's. When Roger went to pick up the Lenore girl at her apartment, he found her struggling with some man. Well, that happens. It looked like he was trying to kill her. There was a gun on the floor, and she called to Roger for help. He picked up the gun and shot the man. She told Roger he'd killed him and that he must get out. When we went back, they were both gone. About a month later, some of Alter's friends got in touch with me. They forget about the killing if you let Alter out of sync, sir. Huh? That's right. Hmm. Well, I don't remember reading anything about it in the papers. You're the first one outside of Alter and his friends who knows anything about it. You see, they say they're hiding the corpus delecti, so there was no report of the murder. You think maybe they staged the killing, put blanks in the gun, and after your son beat it, the dead man walked out on his own steam? Well, that's what I want you to find out. Uh-huh. The man your son thought he killed, uh, what did he look like? Dark man with a scar from his nose to his chin. Mm -hmm. If my son is innocent, I want you to bring the parties responsible to justice. Amen. Well, here's a check for a thousand dollars. Thank you. If you find the girl and prove my son innocent, there'll be another thousand in your pocket. Well, I'll sort the holes. Thanks, Mr. Warden. I'll start right away. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. You can reach me at the Wentworth Hotel. I'm staying there until this matter gets cleared up. Well, I won't get in touch with you unless I find something. The guys who worked me over are pretty set in their ways, and there's no sense in you tripping over a lot of dead bodies. I grabbed a pack of camels, looked at the thousand-dollar check, thought about the warning the two bruise artists had given me, and decided it was a toss-up. If I spent the thousand like I knew I would, I'd wish it was dead anyway. So I left the building, grabbed a cab for the fifth precinct. Ten minutes later, I walked into the squad room and spotted Sergeant Otis, looking like an advertisement for a sour stomach. Well, Richard Diamond, Private Sloot. Well, Sergeant Otis, Private Sloth. Huh? Well, look it up. S-L-O-T-H. I will. Under S. I know. The three-toed variety. And get your uniform press, won't you? Looks like you've been hanging it in a taffy machine. Oh. Well, hello, Rick. I... Hey, you must get tired changing your face every day. Somebody shove you around again? Oh, I've been catching up on my patty cake. Tell me, Walter, do you ever know a girl named Lenore Brown? Yeah, sure. John Alter's expense account. They used to hold hands before I sent him up. Know where I can find her? Alter's still got her staked out. When he gets out, he's going to come back and dig up the claim. You better forget about it. She's got the antidote for lonely nights, but some of Alta's boys are protecting it. I know, I know. They gave me a pep talk this afternoon. Then listen to him. 
It's better watching the game from the bench. Oh, you never can tell. I might make a score. Well, you're outweighed, outclassed, and liable to be outlived. But she used to work at the Black Swan in Florida. We heard Alder was trying to get a parole, and she came to New York to be close to him. Any line on her here in town? No, but if she's seeing Alter, you might spot her on a visitor's day. Well, Rick, how are you? It's been a long time. I know a lot of people wouldn't like to hear that, Warden. <laughs> how are you? Oh, fine, fine. What's on your mind? Well, I hear Johnny Alter's been having company. I'd like to take a look at her. Oh, Miss Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't blame you. <laughs> well, I just want to spot her and see where she goes. <laughs> you can't miss. If she walked through the yard, there'd be a jailbreak tomorrow. What time are visiting hours? Well, if she's seeing Alder today, she should be downstairs right now. Like to take a look? Uh-huh. I'll have a guard take you down. Good. Well, well on uh, second thought, I'll go myself. She is, sitting at the end table, talking to Alder. Hmm. Well, now I know why Alder needs a lot of money. She's wearing enough mink to carpet Radio City. <laughs> you should get a load of her on a warm day. Huh? Well, the coat doesn't stop me. She'd show up, she was wearing a tent. How long has she got with Alder? Mm, about another five minutes. Warden, you know, uh, maybe I'll let you put me away for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. With something like that to look forward to on the visitor's day, I might go for the change. <laughs> You'd get tired of just talking. I hung around by the big gray buildings until she came out. She walked over to a long white convertible and got in. I decided to let her buy me a new fuse, so I walked over to the car. Uh, going into town? Oh. Back up three feet and I'll let you know. Three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your tailor couldn't do all of that. Get in. Visiting? Oh, yeah. The, uh, the warden's an old friend. How many years did you know him? Uh-uh, baby. I've been going home every night all my life. Every night? Well, uh, almost. What do you do with the, uh, almost? It depends. Everybody likes something different. You must get tired thinking up new ideas. Oh, I don't think much. It's more fun being surprised. Hey, what's the idea? Surprise. Oh, yeah. And a nickel-plated one. Look, baby, you don't have to pull a gun. If I'm getting fresh, I'll get out and walk. You'll sit right there, Diamond. Name dropper? Mm-hmm. Expecting company? Mm-hmm. And you've met them before, honey. Well, that's nice. I wouldn't want you to get stuck with the introduction. Hey, uh, those your friends driving up? It should be. Now, you hold real still. They'll only shoot you this time. When a gal's got a gun, you don't stand much of a chance unless you've got a mind on something else. This one did. And when she looked up in the rearview mirror to make sure it was her boys, I tagged her. My two playmates were just pulling up, and I jumped out of the car. There he is, Yuki! He's fluttering off. He's out cold. Well, shut him, Salvador. Shut him!
Before we continue with Richard Diamond, private detective, here are a few words about smoking enjoyment. More people smoke camels than any other cigarette. Yes, more people smoke camels than any other cigarette. One reason is flavor. Camels' costly tobaccos have a rich, full flavor you won't find in any other cigarette. Another reason is mildness, proven mildness. In a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people who smoked only camels for 30 days, noted throat specialists reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Make your own camel 30-day test. The sensible, thorough test. Not just a sniff of the tobacco. Not just a puff of smoke. Only by day-in, day-out smoking can you discover how well a cigarette agrees with your throat. Smoke camels for 30 days and see how mild camels are, pack after pack, week after week. See why more people smoke camels than any other cigarette. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel's 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and see. And now, back to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. There he goes! Get him, Salvador! I was running through the trees then, and I could hear Salvador somewhere behind me, falling all over himself. I pulled my gun and thought about waiting for him. But I had another idea. I stopped and listened. They were somewhere behind me, and both of them were looking now. So I cut off to my left and headed back to the highway. The cars were about a hundred yards down the road, and I used my last lung getting there. Lenore was still unconscious, so I climbed in the white convertible with the unconscious nylons and drove off. I'd been driving for about 15 minutes when I noticed something lying on the seat beside the still-sleeping Lenore. It was her purse, and she didn't wake up when I grabbed it. Doing a rummage job at 80 miles an hour isn't easy, but there wasn't much of interest anyway, just a little black book. I needed a gimmick, so I stuck it in my pocket. I put the purse back on the seat just as she started coming around. Well, now that's it, baby. Sit up and look at the scenery. How did you get here? Where's Yuki and Salvador? Playing Peter Pan. Jaw hurt? Yes. You heal. Well, play rough and you get hurt. Where do I take you? My apartment, I guess. I drove her to her place on East 51st and walked her to the door. She looked at me like a fat woman eyeing a French pastry, and her mouth slipped down to her shoelaces when I gave her a peck on the cheek and left her standing with an old front doorknob in her hand. I went back to the office and took out her little black book. There were a lot of names, and some of them I knew. Yuki, and after it, likes his work. And Salvador. And after his name, has own gun. And oh yes, yes, Richard Diamond, too. I never did figure out what the three stars were for, but three other names and addresses put me in second gear. One was in the village, another down by the East River, and the last was somewhere in Chinatown. All of them were a setup for a dead man who wanted to make himself scarce. I wanted to talk with Wharton before I started hunting, so I called him at the Wentworth. 
Did you find out anything yet, Diamond? Uh, not yet. Look, Mr. Warden, you said the man I was looking for was was dark with a scar, hmm? Yes, from his nose to his chin. Oh, thanks. Maybe I'll call you tomorrow. I hope you clear this thing up in a hurry. Oh, so do I. I want to get my nerves untangled. I took the easy address first, grabbed a cab, and 30 minutes later I was walking down the steps of a shabby little dive on the east side of Greenwich Village. You want something, Mac? Yeah, a pound of egg noodles. Just sweep them up off the floor. Hey, uh, you know anyone around named Lenore? Sure, Lenore Brown. She comes in here about once a week, listens to the kid at the piano. Now, why would a classy dame like that go out with him? He don't play the piano so good. You ever see a guy with her? man with a scar from his nose to his chin? No, she always does a single. Oh, thanks. You've been swell. I walked out, got back in the cab, and marked off Greenwich Village in the little black book. The second address, down by the East River. The night was black, and the fog had rolled in, staked out a claim all the way to the Hudson. I stopped cold, looked down at two gleaming eyes like two pieces of polished glass shining in the glare of the dim street lamp. Steady, boy, steady. Steady. Hold it, Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah, hold it, Lucifer. He won't hurt you, mister, unless I tell him to. Well, think about it for a while, will you? I'm a poor substitute for horse meat. What do you want? Do you know Eleanor Brown? You a cop? Shamus. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, pal. I couldn't hold my breath much longer. You can come on up on the porch. You're looking for Lenore Brown, huh? Yeah, you know her? I met her. My wife works for her. Is your wife in? Yeah. Esther, come here. Some private dick wants to talk to you. She's Miss Brown's private maid. Yes? Uh, Your husband tells me you work for Miss Brown. Yeah, what's she done? She got many friends. Man friends? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know a man with a scar? Sure, I know lots of them. What are you talking about, woman? I met someone who Miss Brown knows. What did you mean by that, mister? Look, I really don't know anybody with a scar, now you better beat it. Yeah, get moving. And I want to talk to you, woman. Get in there. Yes, honey. I knew she was going to get bruised, but he looked rough enough to cut my windpipe, and I wanted some place to pour my coffee down in the morning. So I got out of there fast and headed for the last address in the little black book. The place was on one of those narrow, dark streets that looked like the inside of a grave. The sign above the door read Tangy, so I pushed open the door and went in. If I didn't find the man with the scar here, I was out on two strikes. It was a little restaurant on the bottom floor of a two-story building. A quiet waiter slipped up and showed me to a booth. He shoved a menu in my hand and disappeared before I could ask him anything. The place was empty except for an old couple sitting near the door. The waiter said something to them, and they looked quickly over at me, and then they left in a hurry. The room was completely empty now. Even the waiter had disappeared. I looked up at a flight of stairs at the far end of the room. A pair of very healthy ankles came into view, and they were holding up a pair of legs that ran my blood pressure up to 190 again. I eased my gun out and held it under the table. She 
He turned the corner and started down toward my booth like a loose snake in a rabbit pen. Mind if I sit down? Well, it's, uh, it's your party. Shame on you. Don't you know it's not nice to pilfer a lady's handbag? Now Lenore will have to spank. Looks like the last address paid off. If you're buying shrouds, it did. Where's the guy that young Wharton was supposed to have killed? Upstairs. But he's very unsociable. Hates long conversations. I only need a couple of lines. He can't even do that. He likes to keep on breathing. The old man figures Alter framed his son. He's not going to let your boyfriend out of Sing Sing until he finds the man with a scar. Think he can do it better than you did? I found him. Was it worth dying for? I don't know. I can tell you better after I talk to him. Mama's going to have to spank sooner than she expected. Come on in, boys. Well, 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 look who's here. Are Mama's two big idiots out collecting blood? Where are your buckets? He's bitter, Yuki. Oh, present. You've met Yuki and Salvador before, haven't you? Yeah, on the end of a fist. They want to show you the town. I know the beat. Well, I'll bet you've never seen it from the bottom of the East River. No, but if you'll put on a bathing suit, I might buy the idea. It's too bad we'll never make the beach together. I'd like to show you the sights. Boys, you'd better help Mr. Diamond out of the booth. I think he's stuck. You know how it is. Boys like to keep moving. Sure. And so do I. I shot once and caught Yuki in the stomach, and I dumped the table over on Salvador. He grabbed like he was going to waltz with it and went down on his back. I didn't have to get up. I just shot him through the table. Lenore was out of the booth fast and running for the stairs. Look out, Tony! Tony, look out! I caught up with her at the foot of the stairs, and she started up. I saw him standing on the upper landing, scar and all. All, meaning gun in his hand. He missed me, but nailed her halfway up. She spun around and fell all over me. With both of us down, he was in a good spot to finish the job, and my arm hit the lower post of the staircase and swung me right into line. I just rested my elbow on the banister and let him have it. You should have kept your nose up, mister. A bad landing washes you out. Tell me, did Wharton's son identify the man with the scar? Yeah, he was the one he thought he killed. Mm-hmm. But the old man's feeling pretty good. Yeah, just left. He's happier than Otis on payday. Mm. Who was the guy with the scar? Oh, cheap hood. Record. Name of Lucio. Mm. The girl in Alter had him hidden out in that place so he wouldn't be seen. And I... I don't think you're funny, Diamond. What's the matter, Otis? Yeah, what do you want, meathead? I looked it up. The three-toed variety. Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, I uh, called him a sloth. Yeah, a sloth. You should see the picture in the dictionary. It's an animal. Well? It's funny looking with three toes on each foot. Well? And it's noted for its laziness. Okay, Lieutenant. Just forget it. return in just a minute. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? That question was asked of doctors in every branch of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand name most 
was camel. Yes, according to this recent nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Friends, buy your camels the handy, thrifty way, by the carton. That way you always have camels when you want them. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel's 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and see. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of camels deem it a privilege to send free cigarettes each week to hospitalized servicemen and veterans. This week's camels go to veterans' hospitals, Topeka, Kansas, and Oakland, California, U.S. Army Percy Jones General Hospital, Battle Creek, Michigan, U.S. Naval Hospital, Portsmouth, Virginia. More than 194 million camels have now been sent to servicemen, servicewomen, and veterans. Now, until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and see. Adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell, was written by Blake Edwards. Our director is Helen Mack. Men, for pipe smoking pleasure, get Prince Albert, the national joy smoke. Prince Albert's choice tobacco is rich and flavorsome. It's crimp cut for smooth, even burning, and specially treated to ensure against tongue bite. Yes, P.A. is America's largest-selling smoking tobacco. Listen next week for another exciting transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the FBI, follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, The Loomis Affair. 
It was five after eleven when I walked into Cairo Bank of Egypt and stepped up to the safety deposit box window. Good morning, sir. Could I help you? Yes, I'd like to get into my safety deposit box. Of course. Fill out this slip, please. A moment later, I'd given her my key, she'd taken hers, and we stepped into the vault. Then she handed me my box. Whose one is empty, sir? Oh, thank you. I'll be out here when you finish. I stepped into booth one, shut the door behind me. Then I opened my box. I'd come to check some insurance papers. It didn't take me long to find out what I'd come for. A few minutes later, I closed my box and was just getting ready to step out of the booth when something stopped me. I listened. It sounded like a low cry of pain, maybe, or like a cough that got caught in the throat. But whatever it was, it sounded unnatural. I listened again. All I heard was assorted sounds of the bank, and soon all the sounds confused me, and I wasn't sure whether I'd heard what I thought I had at all. I listened some more, then gave it up as a trick of my imagination. I turned my safety deposit box over to the girl, she put it away, and I left the bank to go about my business. An hour later, I walked through the front door of my cafe tambourine. Sergeant Greco of the Cairo police was there, wearing his usual nasty look. He wasted no time. Mr. Jordan, you are to accompany me to the police station. What for? The Captain Sabaya would tell you when he wishes. Oh, sorry, Greco, I got a lot of work to do. Perhaps I did not make myself sufficiently clear. You are under arrest. Arrest? I would like nothing better than a show of resistance on your part, Mr. Jordan. Oh, evolution got mixed up with you, Greco. You should have come out with a white stripe down your back. Come on. Ten minutes later, we walked into the office of Captain Sam Sabaya. Sam was sitting behind his desk looking real grim, but he wasn't alone. Sitting there, too, was the girl from the bank, the same one who'd given me my safety deposit box. What's this all about, Sam? Sit down, Jordan. I haven't got time to sit down. I've got a lot of work to do. I walk into the tambourine in this, this throwback to sit a Sit down, Jordan. You shall learn what this is about in due time. That is all, Sergeant Greco. Yes, Captain. Now, Miss Farno, look at this man. Is he the one? Yes. He came into the bank this morning, and I let him into the safety deposit vault. What time? A few minutes past eleven, Captain. The exact time is recorded on the slip of paper he filled out. Tell me what happened after you gave him his safety deposit box. Well... Booth one was empty. I told him he could use that one. He went into it and shut the door. A few minutes later, I, I saw him standing outside the booth. Mm-hmm. He handed me the box and left hurriedly. Then, some minutes later, we, we discovered what had happened. Thank you, Miss Farno. That will be all. Yes, Captain. Jordan, you of course know of a man named Frank Loomis... Sure, I know him all right. I might even say that you once had a rather intense conflict with him, and not so long ago as that. I threw him out of my cafe, if that's what you mean. Loomis is a bum, you know that. He's taken a page out of the book of those old Chicago gangsters, trying to set up a protection racket. Tried it on me, and I threw him out. You too, Jordan, appear to have taken a page out of the book of those Chicago gangsters you talk about. Frank Loomis was knifed to death in booth number two of the Cairo Bank of Egypt at approximately 11 o'clock. And you, Jordan, appear to be the one who killed him. Hey, now, wait a minute, Sam. I've you examined get... the evidence, Jordan. There is no question that you were in conflict with Loomis. There is no question that you were in the booth next to him at the approximate time he was killed. Well, there are other booths. Someone else could have been on the other side of him. Booth three was empty. 
It is true that booths four, five, and six were occupied, and those people would be questioned as a matter of course. Hey, that list of names on your desk. Those are the names of the people? Do not look to them for hope, Jordan. The evidence against you is too strong. Just what do you got, Sam? Jordan, let me explain first that Loomis' safety box was in the booth with him. It contained a packet of $5,000 in American money. Obviously, the motive of killing Loomis could not have been robbery, or the money would have been stolen. So far, that means nothing. The medical report shows that the knife severed a bone. It would require a person of strength to kill Loomis with a knife as he was killed. There are a lot of weightlifters in town. The inkwell in Loomis's booth had spilled, and Loomis, before he died, spelled out your name with his finger. You're serious, aren't you? There are further things I wish to investigate. Just do not make any plans to leave Cairo. That is all for now. Well, Sam wasn't kidding, that was for sure. I felt like the tide was moving in because I knew what it meant to have Sam against you. Well, I walked to the corner, hailed a cab, and climbed in the back seat. And I pulled a slip of paper out of my pocket. It was the one Sam had on his desk. It listed the names and addresses of the other three people who were in the bank booths at the time Loomis was knifed. I figured the killer had to be one of those. Name one was B. Mulak, 178 Sharia Ifram Pasha. B. Mulak turned out to be a she pushing the century mark. She met me at the door with a crooked cane in one hand and an ivory-handled earphone in the other. Uh, what is it to us? I said, do you know a man named Loomis? Oh, uh, Loomis? Loomis. L-O-O. Look, at 11 o'clock this morning, you went to the Cairo Bank. If you say so, Effendi. You got your safety deposit box. If you say so, Effendi. You went into number four booth. Fine tooth, indeed it is, Effendi. It is the last one I have got. Uh, Let it go. You don't know anything about Loomis. Who is? Sorry, I must have the wrong place. Name two on the list was Nicholas Markedian, a high dignitary in the Greek Orthodox Church. That turned out to be a blind alley, number two. The last name on the list was Joseph Diotto, address 17 Sharia El Moor. My cab pulled to a stop in front of his place late in the afternoon. I ran up the walk, tapped on the door. No answer, so I tried again. Here. I'm looking for Joe Diotto. He isn't here. I'll speak to whoever is. It'll be a one-way conversation. Nobody's here. Open up or this door will be looking for hinges. You're a smart guy. It gets results. All right, you're in. What do you want? You Joe Diotto? That depends. I think you are. And those suitcases over there say you're going on a trip. That's my business. Yeah, well, I'm making it mine. You know a guy named Frank Loomis? I've heard of him. He was knifed to death in one of the booths at the Cairo Bank this morning at 11. My condolences to Mrs. Loomis. You were in one of those booths at the bank around the same time Loomis was killed. Was I? The bank time record says so. You a cop? No, but the police will be here soon. Too late. I'll be gone. You look too good. I don't think I can let you go. I don't think you can stop me. Want to try? Joe Diotto's hand slipped down into his pocket. I had the feeling he was wrapping it around a gun. Then he just stood there waiting for me to come forward. I figured there was no percentage in it, so I pivoted and walked out of the place, hoping to make him think I'd given it up. I got into my cab and had the cabby pull to a stop around the corner. I didn't have to wait long. A few moments later, another cab went by, Diotto in the back seat. So I tagged him. He ended up at the Cairo airport, and I saw him disappear into the crowd. 
I started out after him, then I heard the PA speak. EWA Constellation Flight 673 for Athens, Rome, Geneva, and Paris. Now loading at gate two. That was it, the auto's plane. I had to move faster. I pushed my way toward gate two, but I never made it. A heavy hand grabbed my arm and spun me around. Hello, Mr. Jordan. I find you here at the airport. Get your hand off me, Greco. You get my sleeve wet. You, Mr. Jordan, are in no position to tell me what to do. I find you at the Cairo airport preparing to take flight from the city. Take flight? Hey, wait a minute. You got this wrong. I have not got it wrong, Mr. Jordan. You were told by the Captain Sabaya not to leave the city. And yet I find you at the airport preparing to board that plane for another country. But what other action were we to expect from a murderer? Jody Otto's getting on that plane. He's the one that's skipping. He's Loomis' murderer. A fabrication, Mr. Jordan. I'm afraid you will not be able to talk your way out of this. No, your head gets fatter all the time, Greco. I tell you, Diaro's getting on that plane. We have positive proof of your guilt in the Lewis affair. And we are sure of your motive. You remember the packet of $5,000 in American money found in Mr. Loomis's safety deposit box? Yes, yeah, sure. We have now found a packet of $15,000 in American money with Frank Loomis's stamp on it. Loomis's money, stolen from his safety deposit box. And you know where we found the $15,000? In your safety deposit box. Well, there is no question about it. You killed Loomis and robbed him. Do one thing for me, Gregor. Stop that plane. Get the auto off and question. It appears we are too late to take Mr. Otto off that plane. But it doesn't seem to matter much, does it? We have our man anyway. Come along, Mr. Jordan. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. I'm glad I heard about it. It's wonderful. Simply wonderful. Well, okay, if you say so, but what? Why, Larry, Del Monte tomato juice. Of course, what else? <laughs> I might have guessed. That natural flavor always gets everybody enthusiastic. Honestly, I never thought I'd find a tomato juice quite so fresh-tasting, so naturally good. It tastes just like summer. Maybe it tastes like summer to you, but it tastes just like big red tomatoes picked right off the vine to me. Appetizing? Say, when you get real, true tomato flavor like that, you've got an appetizer for sure. That goes for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And how the youngsters do love it after school. Well, it doesn't sound as if one can of Del Monte tomato juice lasts long at your house. Goodness, no. Buy at least two or three cans at a time and keep it handy. That's my advice. Friends, you'll welcome that advice, too, once you enjoy the fresh, natural taste of Del Monte tomato juice. Look for it at your grocer's tomorrow. Now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Loomis Affair. Well, I was sitting in the neatest frame since Whistler's mother. Loomis was dead. As far as the police were concerned, I was it. I was in the bank booth at the time Loomis was knifed. He wrote my name on the blotter before he died... His money turned up in my safety deposit box. And to top it off, Joe Diano, the guy Sam should have in my place, was winging his way out of the country. 
I began to feel real trapped, like a chorus girl at a sailor's convention. The Greco nudged me down the street toward where his car was parked. He figured he was going to get himself a medal taking me in. He shall ride in my car, Mr. Jordan. Aren't you taking a chance with me, Greco? You and I alone? We will not be alone. Abdullah is in the back seat. Into the back seat, Mr. Jordan. Don't shout, Abdu- Sergeant, and don't reach for your gun. Uh, I have mine pointing uh, right at you. The voice came from the back seat of Greco's closed car, but I couldn't see the face. All I could see was an overcoat and a pistol. But it wasn't Abdullah, that was sure. He was folded up on the floor, and there was a lump behind his ear. Get the sergeant's gun and police whistle, Jordan. What is the meaning of this? I want Jordan. Well, you'll have to get in line. I am in line. At the head of it. Well, coming? Or would you rather stay with the police? Oh, I'll take the change. So, Mr. Jordan, you think you are escaping from the law. This will go hard with you. Quiet and put your fan out of the car. Or we'll take him with us. Now, go on. Yes, yes, of course. All right, Jordan, you drive. You better keep to the back streets, Jordan. Still got that gun on me? Uh, no, I'm a friend. Yeah? What's the name? Bartlett. That draws a blank. Why don't you move up to the front seat so I can see your face? Uh, not much to look at. How about a reason, then? Why'd you spring me from Greco? I don't think you killed Loomis. Police say I did. Uh, they've been wrong before. They got a good case. I was there at the time Loomis was killed. His money turned up in my safety deposit uh, box. Robbery? That proves my point. Loomis wasn't killed in a kind of money. He's not the type. He's the kind who gets it out of hatred or revenge or something like that. You sound like you know a lot about him. Yeah, I do. Then who killed him? That's what I thought you could tell me. What's your interest? I want Loomis' killer. Oh, I think I get it now. You spring me from the police so you can pump me for information. Well, it's fair. Your freedom for the killer's name. Well, I'd say Joe Diotto. Joe Diotto, huh? It could be. He was on that plane that took off from the Cairo airport. Where to? He didn't say. Follow us stop, Jordan. What now? You're getting out. Uh, Jordan, I've got some advice for you. Get yourself to the nearest private airfield and hop a plane out of the country. Yeah, maybe I will. But don't go Joe Diotto's way. He's for me. Sorry, Bartlett. I think I will have to go his way. He's my out. Maybe. But you're a sucker, Jordan, if you don't play it safe. Go to South America. I don't like the climate. Okay. Then I got a feeling you're asking for trouble. Bartlett ground the car into gear and took off. Well, he could talk the way he did. It was easy. He wasn't up for murder. I was, and I wanted off the hook, and Joe Diotto was my out. I had to find out where he went. I found a telephone, put a quick call into the airplane office. Yes? Oh, this is Mr. Lambert of the British Embassy. I'd like to make an inquiry about your flight 673. Yes, sir? You had a passenger on the plane named Joseph Diotto. Could you tell me his destination, please? Official business. Oh, one moment, please. Yes? Mr. Diato had purchased a ticket for Rome, but he is not on the plane. What? He turned in his ticket at the last minute. As far as we know, he has never left the city. Oh, it was cockeyed. Diato had made a beeline to get out of Cairo, and it turned out he hadn't left at all. Well, I still had a chance. The problem was to find him. I went back to the airport and spent a lot of time talking to cab drivers. Forty minutes later, I hit the jackpot. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, Fendi. I very well recall a man of that description, that Mr. Uh, Diato. Where'd you take him? I took the gentleman you referred to... Uh, <laughs> to police headquarters downtown. Police headquarters? Are you sure? Oh, yes, Effendi. I am absolutely positive. Uh, where's the nearest phone? Uh, there is a public telephone over there, Effendi. Oh, thanks. Captain Sam Sabaya speaking. Uh, Sam. Jordan. Jordan, turn yourself in. You want in enough trouble already without trying to escape. Look, let's talk about Joe Diotto. Oh, yes, Joe Diotto. I understand he ended up down at headquarters. Yes, Jordan. Mr. Diotto is here even now. Did you get anywhere, Sam? Can you crack him? I understand, Jordan, that you are of the opinion Mr. Diotto killed Frank Loomis. Yeah, that's right. Jordan, we have questioned Mr. Diotto extensively. In fact, he kindly postponed his trip to Rome, Italy, just so that we could talk to him. For your information... Mr. Diato is an agent of your own American police force who was in Cairo on special business. He was cleared by the Egyptian government Department of Security and is in no way connected with the killing of Frank Loomis. Now, wait a minute, Sam. There must be some mistake. There is no possibility of mistake, Jordan. Now, I suggest you turn yourself in since you cannot escape responsibility for Loomis' death. Sorry, Sam. No can do. There must be another answer someplace. Sure, there must be another answer someplace, but where? I went through the list of people who were at the bank booths at the time Loomis was killed. B. Mulak, the old lady of the fine tooth. Nothing there. Nicholas Markedian of the Greek Orthodox Church. Nothing there. Joe Diano, the American police, cleared by the Egyptian Department of Security. Nothing there. But there had to be an answer. Someone killed Loomis. Someone somehow put his money in my safety deposit box. Then suddenly it hit me. There was someone else at the bank booths. Someone who I hadn't even thought about. I was still in the phone booth, so I picked up the phone book, threw it open to the apps, and got an address on Sharia Rukar. Hi. Mr. Jordan. Surprise, Miss Farno. Well, I, I didn't... Think... I'll come in if you don't mind. I don't think that you... Thank you. You shouldn't be here, Mr. Jordan. The police are looking for you. I heard it on the radio. I can't think of a better place to be, Miss Farnham. I don't know what you mean, Mr. Jordan. I didn't kill Frank Loomis. The police say you did. I don't know. I I just told them what I knew and But then... you didn't tell them all, Miss Farnham. What? Now look, look at it my way. I know I didn't kill Loomis. Someone else did. So I check on all the other people in the booths. One by one, they get ruled out. But then there's someone else who had access to every booth. Someone who looks real innocent. But who had a better chance than anyone? You. Mr. Jordan! I'm not finished. Loomis's money turned up in my safety deposit box. Aside from me, you were the only one even near my box. I gave it to you with my key to lock it up. All I had to do was turn away for a few minutes and you could have slipped the money into the box. When the police opened it, they could easily assume I killed Loomis for the money. That would be a little difficult to prove, Mr. Jordan. Ah, I wonder. If the police run a close fingerprint check on the packet of stolen money, I wouldn't be surprised if they find out that you handled it. I, I don't know that that will mean anything. Well, don't bet on it, sister. All the police needs a little crack like that, and they'll drag the whole true story. What was the Loomis killing all about? It wasn't robbery. What was it? Frank Loomis was an awful man, Mr. Jordan. Yeah, that's right. He was a crook, con man, all around no good bum. And the blackmailer. Yeah, figured it'd be something like that. Tell me what happened at the bank that you didn't tell Sabaya. Well, I put the money in your safety deposit box, as you said. 
But the killing? Well, while you were in booth one, Frank Loomis was in booth two. I went in and knifed him. That's all. Are you sure? Yes, yes, I killed Frank Loomis. No, you didn't, Miss Farnham. What? The medical report said the knife severed a bone. Sam said a person of strength killed Loomis. Skinny little girl like you couldn't have done it. It was a man. No, Mr. Jordan, it was not a man. I did it. Who's in the next room, Miss Farnham? The next room? There's pipe ashes in the tray. Or are you the type I told you you were heading for trouble, Jordan. Ah, Bartlett. Guess it figured. Don't get rash, Jordan. This gun might go off. Why'd you kill Loomis? Alice told you. He was a blackmailer. Only he was blackmailing you, not Alice. I ran a lumber business. My books are... Once took a little fixing. Tax evasion stuff. Loomis got a hold of them and pressed me. Oh, it clears up now. He had them in a safety deposit box at the bank. You had to get to him, so you played up to Alice to set up a robbery scheme. He didn't play up to me, Mr. Jordan. We're going to be married. He got the ceremonies mixed. It's a hanging, not a wedding. Ah, you're both wrong. No hanging, no wedding. What do you mean, Bart? It's a double shooting, and right now. I don't need you anymore, Alice. Bart! What do you take me for? Do you think I have to saddle myself with a mouse like you? Bart, you don't mean that. After all, I did It's a game, baby, a game. Only you didn't see it that way. Bart, Bart, those things you said to me. Those evenings... Well, that started her off. And as she spoke, she got a savage look in her eye and moved closer to it. Soon she had him so worried, he took his eyes off me. And that was all I needed. I took a quick step and grabbed his gun. I tried to yank away, but I wouldn't give. So his other hand reached down to pick up a cigarette tray and made for my head. But my foot was faster. It lashed out at his shin and he howled. I didn't wait for the pain to die down before I buried a fist into his stomach. And another one pulled into his face. He folded up on the carpet and he was through. I picked up the gun. Oh, the telephone operator will connect you with Captain Sabai at headquarters, Miss Farnham. Yes. Mr. Jordan. Huh? What will happen to me? I, I don't know. We'll have to get down to headquarters. There's still a few things that need cleaning up. Now, go on. Put in the call. We'll talk about you later. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. I don't pretend to be a fortune teller by a long shot, but I certainly can predict another big year ahead for Del Monte Catsup. It's already an outstanding Western favorite and making new friends every day. Well, I guess we know our good eating. And Del Monte Catsup has such a big share of rich, lively flavor. Oh, that it has. A tangy, tasty, extra-tempting flavor that's just naturally friendly to other foods. And we men are just the ones to appreciate that kind of zip and zest, too. You'd better include women in that. I've never seen a catsup like Del Monte to pep up plain foods, like hash or beans. And don't think any budget-minded housewife is going to forget it. Yes, Del Monte catsup does have a special flavor all its own. And that's because it has a special ingredient all its own. It's pineapple vinegar. And it coaxes out all the rich flavor from those luscious, vine-ripened tomatoes Del Monte uses. Only Del Monte has it. Only Del Monte catsup has it. And what pineapple vinegar does for catsup flavor is really something. And just imagine... Del Monte catsup actually costs less than many other quality black brands. You know it's Del Monte for flavor and value, friends. So be sure to ask for Del Monte catsup next time. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story.
it didn't take Sam long to show. I told him what had happened, and Alice Farno verified it. Sam threw Bartlett into the wagon and took him in. Alice Farno and I went back to Sam's office in his limousine. Sam poured around a coffee, and we went into some of the other things that hadn't been cleared up. Miss Farno, what I should like to know is why you placed the stolen money into Jordan's safety deposit box. I didn't know it was stolen, Captain. Bart told me Mr. Jordan was going to help him, and, and that money was Bart's payment to Mr. Jordan. I see. Uh, about my name on the blotter, Miss Farno. Yes. Bartlett spilled the ink, took Loomis's hand after he was dead, and wrote my name with his finger, huh? Yes. Why did Bartlett snatch me away from Greco? What was all that song and dance he gave me about looking for Loomis's killer? I don't know why he said that to you, except perhaps to keep you from becoming suspicious of him. But I do know that I asked him to free you from the police if he could. I could not see you convicted of a killing that you, you didn't do. Huh? What now, Sam? Miss Farno, I suggest that you go home and rest. We will contact you later. Yes, Captain Sabaya. Oh, Captain. Yes, Miss Farno? I just want to say that while I knew Bart was going to steal the tax books from Mr. Loomis, I did not know that he was going to kill. Yes, I see. You see, a girl does not always know the true nature of the man she falls in love with. Goodbye, Captain Sabaya. Goodbye, Miss Farno. And goodbye, Mr. Jordan. Goodbye. Uh, sad case, Jordan. Yeah. What are you going to do with her, Sam? Well, I have some alternatives. I could charge her with accessory to the murder of Frank Loomis. Or I could simply charge her with accessory to the robbery of Loomis's money. Or? Or I could let her go. I see. I did not say I would let her go, Jordan. Let's look at it this way, Sam. I got a couple of alternatives, too. Hmm? I could sue you for false arrest, defamation of character, raise a lot of noise. Or... Or let you go. Yeah. I see your point, Jordan. Shall we consider the incident closed? For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup? And chili sauce, Del Monte tomato sauce, and tomato juice, and Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cole and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Avello as Sam Sabaya. This program is produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arum. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Face of Diana. Put gay summer flavor on your table with Del Monte Fruit Cocktail. Five ripe, luscious fruits, ready cut, ready mixed. A real flavor treat. It's quick and so delicious for first course, salads, or desserts. 
Del Monte Fruit Cocktail. Larry Flora speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Did you ever wonder, folks, how a certain species of blonde can breathe in spite of a heart of stone? The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan. In another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure, with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. A confidential investigator occupies a kind of strategic position in law enforcement. He can mix with an element a regular department cop is obliged to scorn, if not arrest on sight. Like a cop, the confidential operator is on the side of the angels, but he can work for the devil, like I did, not too voluntarily once upon a crime. The case came at me in broad daylight at the foot of Father Duffy's statue on Broadway. The first I knew of it was a gun in my ribs. Free, Shamus, and don't let out a peep. Hmm. A tough right out of a B-movie. With a reek to him like he ate garlic for candy. Is it a gun or a monkey wrench, Sonny? Bleed and find out. A line of dialogue like that, you ought to copyright. Hey, you're talking yourself to death. Shut my mouth. See that car in the corner? <laughs> the green and white job that reads PD? Not the police car, smart guy. The one behind it. Oh, the hot limousine. It ain't hot. It was bought legitimate. Pardon me. Go get into it. Times must be hard for you to get down to me. This isn't a snatch. Then what is it? You'll find out. In with you. Give her the gun, Needles. And off the big street, first turn you can make. Heading downtown, I tried for a peek into my future. Who was it? Who was who? Hired you to work over me. <laughs> You're sure in a sweat, Shamus. It's my memories coming back. A lot of guys resent the free room and board I arranged for them up the river. You're guessing wrong. Oh, I'm relieved. Or am I? I'm going to blindfold you now. A cigarette toast? Now, why ain't you a comedian? Right now, I wish I'd pick the occupation. Hold steady. You can't see, can you? <laughs> can't even breathe. Why include my nose in a blindfold? Breathe through your mouth, like me. I haven't the adenoids for it. Yeah, another crack, I'll rock you to sleep. Now shut up and enjoy the ride. I could guess our general destination by the odor. A New Yorker develops a nose for local geography. Front Street somewhere, off the East River. The Fulton Fish Market couldn't be too far away. You're going down cellar steps, so hold on to the rail. I've got the rail. 
in with you, Shamus. Hey, was that push necessary? Here's your pigeon, boss. Good work. Take the blindfold off. I second the motion. Hello, Craig. Wait till the fog lifts. Not Sam Stacy. <laughs> Surprised? I'm shocked at the lousy reporting this town gets. The headlines have you in Acapulco and China. The papers have been crucifying me. Mad dog killer Stacy. Where do they come off with that stuff? A guy named Crowley wasn't only dead. A bullet in his brain, plus his head caved in, plus his features smeared and his clothes gone to make identification impossible, plus being drowned in Long Island Sound. You put your heart in your work, Stacy. I didn't kill Crowley. Nobody will believe you. Sure. I'm a dog with a bad name. Grab Stacy. Hang the frame on him. Okay. Start lying at me. Lying? Isn't that why I'm down here with the smell of fish and rats? Why, you Maxine, lay off. <laughs> Maxie insults easy. Stop baiting him, Craig. He's a hothead. I must remember to cool him off someday. I'm waiting to hear the lie. There was bad blood between me and Crowley, sure. I never made a secret of it. Crowley began taking horse bets on my side of the street. Like a chump, I shot off my mouth publicly where stoolies could pipe my remarks to the cops. Shut off your mouth about what you were going to do to Crowley. That's right. But you didn't. I didn't get a chance to. You tried to, however. Yeah. I'll give you the truth with nothing held back. At your own risk. Under these circumstances, I don't regard it as confidential. The day before Crowley was fished out of the river, I trailed him to Obermeyer's boathouse over on the north shore of Long Island. But. What's the big but? Crowley shook me. I marched for him in my car off the pier... Figuring he'd come walking right into my gun. He never came off the pier. He took off by motorboat. That's your story? It's the honest truth. Why are you crying at me? Get whoever beat me to Crowley. Get me in the clear. I'll pay you a fat fee. If you live. I'll live. I've got a hot flash for you. There's a shoot-to-kill order out for you. <laughs> I'm in Acapulco, China. Only I know different now. You mean you'll finger me? I mean. It's a chance I'll have to take. The way it stacks, you're my only chance. Why not let me surrender you alive? No good. I'd hate myself in the hot seat. Maxie. Yeah, boss? Dump Craig somewhere. Crease him a little? A little. I can't risk you being able to pinpoint my hideout, Craig, if you decide against me. Well, I've been hit on the head before. I don't want Craig injured, Maxie. Uh, just like you say. A big break for you, Shamus. I came to with the Third Avenue L roaring through my head. I was on a stoop front. Tilted at an angle, my hat down over my eyes, and an empty pint bottle at my feet. Like a bum sleeping off a bottle of paint remover. Sensitive Maxie had a sense of humor after all. I found a note pinned inside my coat. Craig, I've got a wife and kids. Please, Stacy. Pinned to the note was a thousand dollar bill, a retainer. <laughs> a wife and kids. If it was a lie, it was a good one. It was about the only way Stacy could hook me as a helper. Well, 
Looking to hail a cruising cab, I got a first-hand view of Metropolitan Police Efficiency. A familiar flitter that breathed so close it clicked lint off my trousers. Larry Craig. Lieutenant Trav Rogers. Climb in. Must I? It's an order. Where are we going? To make a police entry that you've been recovered safe and sound. What's the gag? You tell me. You reported his kidnap two hours ago. <laughs> Joke. I'm not in the habit of wasting official time on practical jokes. A Broadway news vendor with a stand across from Father Dovey's statue phoned in a report that a gunman picked you off the sidewalk and took you for a ride. Hmm. Nice to know our great big city is on its toes. Uh, I anticipated the worst. I have my men checking hospitals, ditches, cellars, and the morgue. Uh, tell them they can go back to playing peanut. Craig, what was it about? About? The snatch. Oh. <laughs> Trav, I wish I could tell you, only... Uh, only? I got hit on the head. Here, feel the lump. So? So I don't know anything. Uh, I got a touch of amnesia from the blow. Craig? Uh, let me out of the corner, huh? Like a sweetheart. I I got an important engagement for the boathouse. Overmeyer's boathouse looked like a wreck washed ashore by a hurricane. Scrap iron, old anchors, piles of rusted junk... Like Obermeyer never threw anything away. Boats for rent, hour, day, or week, the sign read. Hello? Yeah. Oh, uh, you rent motorboats? You can read. Sassy at your age, and you won't make out with St. Peter. What do you want? Civility. You got any rent boats? Who's kidding who? Brace yourself for a shock, Obermeyer. I don't have to. You're a detective. It shows. Big feet. Bad jokes in the swelled head. Now, what's he after? A murderer. You won't find him here. The victim was a man named Crowley, a man you rented a boat to. I ain't never murdered a customer. Do you have some reason for being a little slippery, Grandpa? Hmm. See through it, do you? Like through glass. I've got a reason. Two hundred dollars. Meaning? The deposit is, uh... Crowley? Crowley left for the motorboat. He never came back for it. He never brought the boat back. Found it scuttled on a sandbar. Repairs on it came to more than $200. Relax. I'm not parting you for your money. So $200 is why you never made a police report. Police report, you say? That slippery note's back. You knowingly held back information bearing on a murder case. I'm a poor man. And a grade-A chiseler. Where was Crowley taking himself to? How could I know? Because you're the inquisitive type. Mm. Murder Island? Murder Island? Name it got from the tenants on it. Where is Murder Island? About four miles north by east out there in the south. Who tenants it? Vince Keeley. If you're a detective, you'll know him. Yeah, I do. Gambling's uh, Only nobody's ever proved it. I tried for murder last year, only the jury didn't convict. Keeley had an alibi. Yeah, a surprise alibi. The last minute kind of knocks down a case. I want a motorboat at a chartered cost to Murder Island. A storm coming up. Well, not for hours, the way the sky looks. Storms are deceiving. I'll take the chance. I'll want a deposit. I'll bring the boat back. If Keely lets you come back. I'll want a deposit. Storms were deceiving. Storm had come at me. Like Obermeyer had push-button control over storms and was having this laugh at me. 
rain in buckets from overhead and, and the river splashing over me below. Faster than I could bail water. It was only minutes before I could swim for it. <laughs> what flashes through your head when you see death working you over? One measly thought playing over and over like a record stuck in a groove. Why did this have to happen to me? When there was no doubt about Obermeyer losing a boat to Davy Jones, I started a long swim. Coming up for the third time. Water running out of your nose and ears. You get hallucinations. Pleasant ones. My hallucination was a sea nymph with the build of a channel swimmer. Looking at her face was like leafing through an old album. She was every lady I'd ever known, starting with my mother. Lie on your back. Give me your hand so I can pull you to shore. Give her my hand. Talking like my life was a special problem. Hold tight now. Hold tight. You obey. You let her take charge. While you go to sleep. I knew I was still alive. By the sandflies making a playground of my chest. I was on a beach littered with fish skeletons. Hello. And a girl flopping beside me like a come to Bermuda poster of honeymooners. A girl with none of the faces in the old album. Flash storm capsized your boat. Yeah. Overmeyer worked that trick with push buttons. What'd you say? Never mind. You rescued me, huh? I saw you thrashing around like a dying fish a hundred yards offshore. How come you were on hand to see me? Have you noticed my swimsuit? I've got eye strain. Are you always swimming in a flash storm? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I'm Barry Craig. The detective? Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are along 52nd Street. Hmm. 21 and nightclub row. I'm Rose Renee. The queen of burlesque. Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are among uh, connoisseurs. <laughs> exactly where are we? On Murder Island. Oh. You belong to it? I'm married to it. Married? Let me try to guess. Mrs. Vince Keeley. Play hearts and flowers, Meister. It's as bad as that? The jail sentence. I'm a prisoner of love. Vince bought me only Welshed on the payment. He Welshed after I said I do. Why the frank talk? Well, I feel I broadcast. That's my nature. I'm cooped up on this crummy island so Vince won't have to fight off the boys giving me the eye. The only glad rags I get to wear is a swimsuit. So pick up and go. I'm allergic to morgues. Yeah. Murder is Vince's business, they say. That's no joke. Vince connived his way out of one murder rap last year with a phony alibi. Yeah, I remember the trial. Who was it again Vince was charged with knocking off? Dixie Dugan, his business partner. Oh, Slot yeah. machines, dice houses, stolen liquor. Dugan was fed up, about to confess all to the DA when he suddenly turned up dead. Vince served champagne that night to celebrate. Why are you telling me all this? On the hunch that it's case reopened, that you're here after Vince. You really want a divorce? Oh, any old way. Then tell me about a fellow named Crowley. Crowley was Vince's star witness last year. Crowley's alibi for Vince got Vince acquitted. Sister, your divorce is practically on the horizon if you come through with this next one. 
Did Crowley come here to Murder Island lately? Crowley was always coming to the island. He and Vince were squabbling all the time. What about? Hush money. I passed the time getting an earful of things. Crowley was putting the bite on Vince. Blackmail for his perjured testimony? I asked him. How about Sam Stacy? Never heard of him. Stacy's being accused of murdering Crowley. News to me. I'm shut off from the outside world. Look, i got to go now before Vince sends out a searching party. Don't let on to Vince be met. Am I the dope to kill the golden goose? A snake in Vince's bosom. Boredom wasn't Rose's only motive for putting Hubby on the spot. She had her eye on Big Joe and a high old life as a merry widow. Vince Keeley acted as outraged as a guy could get. Hey, Craig, you've got rocks in your head coming here to burn me. Let's confine the argument to Crowley. I haven't seen or heard of Crowley for over six months. Oh, no? No. Then how was the payoff work? What payoff? The blackmail money to Crowley for the perjured alibi last year. Hey, you're asking for something. You hitting the river? Now, look, you got me all wrong. I made a shady buck once, sure. It's all behind me. I'm out of the rackets now, clean as a whistle, living respectably. Why, I'm even holed up on the island to keep out of trouble, to to improve my mind and amount to something more than a mug. I can't cry. I don't have a handkerchief on me. Hey, look around you, Craig. All the books on them shelves. I promised myself I wouldn't get off this island until I read every one of them. Why, I even take piano lessons. How about typewriter practice? I asked you to quit writing me. So you didn't murder Crowley to stop his blackmail? No. You also denied that he perjured for you once? I deny it, yeah. And Sam Stacy. Know him? Not familiarly. A punk bookie somewhere, isn't he? He is. They're pinning the Crowley rap on him. It's nothing to me. We through? No. Who's your lawyer? George Brooks. Did Brooks defend you in that murder trial last year? Yeah. Now, what are you up to? Just familiarizing myself with all the ramifications of your living. A coming genius like you with books and a piano, I I might want to do a profile for the society pages. Craig, get out of here. Sure. But first, I'm showing you this. What? A rod. Huh? A rod. I'll take some killing before I'm killed. You're crazy. Prove it by ferrying me off the island. I uh, lost my boat to a storm. I'll have you ferried off, but stay off. Back in town, George Brooks, the mouthpiece, was twice as outraged as Vince Keeley managed to be. Craig, you've no right to persecute Vince Keeley. I haven't, huh? The man's turned over a new leaf. He's reformed. He's cut off every association he had with his former life. Let's boil it down to murder. Accusing Vince of murdering Miss Crowley is fantastic. How about accusing Vince of winning acquittal in a murder trial through the late Crowley's perjured testimony? That's a cheap, contemptible lie. I defended that case. I know. Why do you represent a man as notorious as Vince Keeley? Because I believe every man has some good in him. Because I'm not a blue nose or a moralist. Because I have every evidence Vince Keeley wants to live a decent, useful life if given a chance. You're positive Keeley uh, hasn't done murder past or present? If I believed otherwise, I wouldn't raise a finger to help him. Whoever murdered Crowley, it wasn't Keeley. And now, if you don't mind, I have a busy schedule. Okay, if I use your phone for a minute? If you must. Harry Craig speaking. Give me Lieutenant Trav Rogers. Craig, if you mean this as some psychological trick, it's utterly childish. 
Is that why you're beginning to perspire? Over coffee and sinkers, I got the benefit of Trav Rogers' power of analysis. Putting one and one together from what you told me, one notion keeps standing up in my head, Craig. Said notion being? That you might end up where you began, with your uh, client. Stacy murdered Crowley like the police bulletins insist, huh? Yes. Stacy hired you as a smokescreen. He heard Crowley had business with the Czar of Murder Island, and... And hoped I'd uh, create a competing suspect in Vince Keeley. And take the heat off Stacy. The notion makes sense, but... You don't buy it. Not until I have another look at Murder Island. Looking for what? <laughs> the Queen of Clubs. Rose Renee. And at the terrain, the rocks, shrubbery. I'm curious about Crowley's missing clothes, his personal effects. Crowley's clothes? He wasn't wearing any when he came out of the river. You've got a point. Find any article of Crowley's on Murder Island and you've made a liar out of Vince Keeley. Crowley hadn't been around in over six months, Vince swears. Let's go. Oh, just a minute. Uh, you including yourself in? It's suicide to Buck Keeley and his crowd alone. I'm the suicidal type. Uh, morbid depths to my personality, my horoscope says. Oh, Craig, don't be stubborn or vain. The case is too big, too important for a confidential operative to lone wolf it. I've done okay so far, without company. Then I'll have to throw the book at you. You're representing a fugitive from justice, a man we've issued orders to shoot on sight. The regulations governing your life... Cut. Nice speech, but uh, I'm only half convinced. Now, uh... Give me the other half. I don't want to see you dead. Your repulsive kisser is an eyesore I've gotten used to. Like poison ivy in July. <laughs> Lieutenant, you are cordially invited on an excursion to Murder Island. We combed every nook and crag of Murder Island, but no luck. Uh, my aching feet, Craig. I can make a surveyor's map of this rock pile from memory. So we drew a blank. Will that be your queen of clubs? It is. Very, Craig. And friends? Lieutenant Trav Rogers. What have you got? A divining rod for locating me? I've been watching you for half an hour. You're wasting your time. Am I? You won't find Crowley's clothes. How do you know what we're searching for? Is that hard? It even occurred to me to look for him. How'd you make up? Ashes. Ashes. The clothes were burned. See that stone incinerator over there? Yes. That's where Vince burned them. Still punching for that divorce, huh? Lead me to the ashes. Hmm. These are the ashes of fabric. You're sure? I did time in police lab. Fabric burns in its own special way. The ash has a consistency. Hey, I've got something that practically converts the ash back to a suit of clothes. Well, what is it, Craig? What does this look like to you? Uh, cufflink. What's left of it? Any initials? C. C for Crowley. That settles Vince's hash. Oh, freedom, it's wonderful. Postpone that freedom, Jag sister. Hubby's still a long way from the disaster you wish on. A last mile away. Vince knows your investigation's going to blow hot any minute. That's why he's got his mouthpiece here now. George Brooks is here? Yes, Vince couldn't get his lawyer here fast enough after you came calling. It's murder and this time no phony alibi. I can go back to sleeping nights. I can breathe. I can live. You're uh, putting on quite a show, Miss Renee. I don't make a mystery of my feelings. Lieutenant, I'm glad and I acted. Go rub that ash in Vince's face. 
Tell him what a homicidal maniac he is and put the handcuffs on him. Well, why don't you go? Quite a repertory, Rose Renee. Hysterics. They were long overdue. Fritz Keeley roped her into marriage and never let go of the noose. The way you work up sympathy. I'm not all cop, Tran. Who makes the arrest? It's your case. Door's locked. A pistol shot, Craig. From inside the house. Fritz! Fritz! Let me in, Fritz! Can you identify whose voice? Brooks, the mouthpiece. Asking Vince to open the door? Sounds like Vince shot himself. Locked himself in a room and shot himself. Make with that bell again, Trav, and don't take your thumb off it. Who? Craig. And Lieutenant Rogers. What was that shot? Vince. In the library. He locked himself in and shot himself. Rough. I begged him not to. Not suicide. What alternative did you suggest, Brooks? Alternative? Lieutenant means suicide or the chair for murder. It was six of one and a half a dozen of another for Vince. Yes, I suppose you're right. You sound like you've changed your mind about Vince's reformed character. Vince changed it for me. He confessed many things to me. I've been a blind fool. What did Vince confess about Crowley? Vince confessed to murdering Crowley. In the library, Vince Keeley lay in peace with a look on his face that said he wasn't sorry to go. Queen of clubs fell like a baby. The senseless kind of tears women are famous for. While the mouthpiece Brooks beat his breast and put Vince's confession on the record. I've been duped, tricked, made the fool. Vince's confession, please. Vince had hired Crowley to perjure in the trial last year. Mind you now, I believe Vince innocent. Since then, blackmail with Crowley demanding heavier sums. On Crowley's threat to expose his perjury for Vince? Yes, of course, Lieutenant. Vince had to pay to prevent reopening of an old case. Crowley bled him white until... Until Vince murdered him and threw him into the river. Yes, that's it, substantially. Uh, Craig. What? Which of us tells him? It's still my case. You're under arrest, Brooks. But you're insane. Shut up and listen. Smoke rises to the ceiling and hangs there. You fired a phony shot in the outer hall when we rang the bell. You staged a fake suicide. You'd already killed Vince Keeley in here. Now, what possible motive would you I have? You could be the big shot behind Vince's rockets. Vince had the low mentality of a rocket boy, not a biggie. Crowley's threat against Vince threatened you even more. I will stand for this. And you lie down for it. Oh. Get off the floor, Brooks, and listen to more. You also killed Crowley. Vince would be the world's prized chump to pay Crowley blackmail or even worry about Crowley. That's double jeopardy, Brooks. Crowley could confess perjury from now to doomsday. But no power on earth, no new evidence could force Vince to stand retrial for a murder he'd already stood trial for once and found acquittal. He's your prisoner, Trav. I'm turning him over to you. A week later, Stacy looked me up to thank me. In a midtown hot bra where the Wiener Schnitzel made you hungry for ham and eggs. You took the curse off me, Craig. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Mad dog killer. Those headlines gave me the willies. You're grateful, huh? I'm on bended knees. You can't reach for your wallet like that. Reach for my wallet? 
There was talk of a fat fee. Oh. I, uh, I hate to do this to you, Craig. But the fact is, the fact is, I'm broke. <laughs> Government's new bookie tax. I've folded my tent, no bets, no horses. I'm down to driving a beer truck. For the wife and kids. Uh, that's another thing, Craig, I, I, I want to tell you about. <laughs> no kids? No wife, even. I'm not married. Hmm. Good night, folks. See you next week. You've been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Murder Island, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled Fatal Appointment, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, a beautiful girl dies in a hotel room. A man gives all for love, and an appointment for romance winds up in a rendezvous with death. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Rose was Elspeth Eric. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Now enjoy Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC. NBC.